laugh at this next part. In a world of political correctness and cancel culture, two comedians have risen up to prove that with the right angle, anything can be funny. This is You Can't Laugh at That. Who writes these? Huh? We should have this person locked up and looked at. Live from Golden Ox Studios in Cleveland, Ohio, it's Steve Mers and David Horning on this week's episode comedians we have this thing where it's like we can talk about politics and um if somebody like disagrees with us we're like hey what what do i know i'm a comedian you know right i'm just being funny you know but at the same time we can uh you know a comedian can talk about politics and get people to laugh about an issue that they may disagree with because it's comedy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know so in a sense and like just like you see in this clip you know, to get people to laugh or to appreciate a joke structure on a narrative that they inherently disagree with is a form of progress. Humor is an example of a shared communication. And there's certainly analogous ways of achieving that where no laughter is involved. But, you know, why not have some laughs as well? Mm. Yeah. Hey, this is David from You Can't Laugh at That. Hey, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast and if you found value in any of the episodes or if you've laughed even once, consider joining our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash you can't laugh pod. Now, these conversations we have with all these awesome comedians typically last about two hours. So there's so much footage we have to cut from every single episode, and we hate that we have to cut it, and we don't want it to disappear into the ether, which is why we edit it together into exclusive clips. Some episodes, they're 15 minutes, a half hour of extra footage. Other episodes, it's a little bit shorter. Either way, if you enjoy listening to You Can't Laugh at That, join our Patreon for exclusive access. And thanks for listening to our podcast and supporting comedy, because no matter how weird times get, remember that you can laugh at that. Welcome to You Can't Laugh at That, the podcast where, I don't know why I did that, um, it, it was a choice, and I chose not to. It's heavily it. edited. Don't worry. <laughs> Welcome to You Can't Laugh at That. This is the podcast where we take topics that aren't funny, and we prove that they are funny. After by, all. After all. Absolutely. That was Steve Mers. Steve Mers is the co-host. And if this is your first time listening, that's who that is. I'm at the turret gun. That, you're, 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 just, you're flying the whole I'm plane. piloting <laughs> this bad boy, and we're picking up our uh, precious cargo, which is Sammy Obeyed, broadcasting hey. from California. What's up, man? Hey, hey, how's it going, everybody? Live from the cargo section. <laughs> that's right. Uh, you got your parachute strapped in, ready to go, just in case things go south. I got my cargo pants, yeah. <laughs> what, what are cargo pants but a parachute on the pants, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's a good idea for... Paint. Why didn't parachute pants actually... Why weren't they actually parachutes? <laughs> <laughs> there's a reserve pantaloons yeah. in there. Yeah, just in case there's a tear, you've got, right, backup, right. You've got a backup <laughs> pair of pants. 
Uh, that'd be I awesome. got a parachute in my pants. Is that sexual harassment? No, I actually got a parachute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a parachute in your pants? Or are you happy to see me? Just the elementary school kind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Sammy is here to talk about something uh, that isn't parachutes. Uh, we're going to talk about his uh, recent clip that went viral. Uh, Sammy is a comedian. Uh, he's been on Conan. Um, he has been on Throwdown with Bobby Flay. He's been profiled in Time Magazine, New York Times. Uh, putting in the work, man. When did you start doing comedy? Uh, 2007, though I actually tried it when I was in college a couple years before and bombed and, you know, you wonder like do you count those years between that bomb and the comeback like was i thinking about it that much but i don't i don't i don't think it's fair yeah it's not and i appreciate you making that distinction between the two because some people especially like open my had a lot of time i had four years to reflect on that bomb so i don't know yeah yeah i don't i don't say that i that i started the first time i got on stage i did some character stuff when i first started that was awful that doesn't count dude me too i did a character as well yeah that's yeah who uh, what was yours uh, it was just supposed to be like this really creepy guy. It was like creepy guy hanging out at a hardware store and I, I wore all black and, and gloves. Um, yeah, it didn't go well. Okay. Sounds great on paper though. Yeah, it does. I, th- <laughs> I thought so too. I think <laughs> just looking for something to make his parachute pants yeah. with. That's it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That, that's, I mean, that's a tough that's a tough um, place to start. I feel like a lot of people start from that level, like trying to do a character bit because, yeah. you know, for me it was, I, I wasn't comfortable being, comfortable being myself on stage. Uh, oh. So, okay, so let me personify somebody else and uh, and that mm. came across as trying to be funny. That never works. <laughs> Hiding behind a veneer. Right. Nobody likes the guy who tries to be funny. Right. right. In conversation right. or on stage. And yeah. uh, and that is something that is evident that you do not do. Um, fantastic bit. Uh, we're going to play that bit in one second once Jeremy uh, adjusts the camera angles here. Uh, do you want to introduce the clip uh, as far as like what inspired or, or set up the, the scene? So you were hired uh, to do a private event. Um, take us through that. Yeah, well, it's actually a public event, but it was sponsored by a certain organization and uh, they had seen me at another gig. Uh, Actually, my roommate put on this show and I did a spot on his show and they saw me there and uh, they asked me if I wanted to do this big gig. They're like, oh, Sarah Silverman's on. I was like, fuck yeah, let's do it. And um, I knew a little bit about the organization, but not a lot. And some people saw that I was on the flyer and they pointed out some things that they thought I should know about the organization specifically that it has a very specific stance on Palestinians and um, the Palestinian issue, which is surprising because it's a, it's a human rights, civil rights organization. So it's like, you know, like great track record of civil rights, except in that particular department, which I thought interesting, but also kind of made sense. So after like reading up on it, I was like, shit, I probably should acknowledge this, acknowledge this while I'm on stage. Um, you know, just, just to, just to like be real, just like have a real moment, uh, and see what happens. Unfortunately, I do have the bits that could go with it. So I was like, I'm going to like announce that I'm Palestinian in the middle of the set. And if it goes well, I'll do like the ultimate bit, which was the bit that's in this clip. And, uh, yeah, I got to the place where I was comfortable enough to do it. And then I did it. And, um, uh, yeah. And it was recorded by someone in the audience. 
Yeah, that's awesome. I, I noticed you, that's how you closed the, the your, your set. So I assume that you really set them up. That's not something that you wanted to <laughs> that you would have opened with. Yeah, it was a te- it was a ten minute set, I think. So I, I think for the first five minutes, I was just massaging. <laughs> I was just like just doing all fun, you know, clean humor. Awesome. So a human rights organization for the right humans. Uh, they should have. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> they should have specified. <laughs> Yeah. But only for the right ones. I'm three fourths Arab, but with a beard, I look four thirds Arab. You know what I mean? <laughs> Why are you not laughing? That's funny, man. <laughs> now that you guys like me, I'll go ahead and say it. I'm Palestinian American. Shoot, damn! You booked me. <laughs> now listen, a lot of people don't know much about Palestinians because there hasn't been too many famous ones in history. And I guess the ones who are that people don't really know who they are. Just. Yasser Arafat and Jesus. Um, <laughs> check, check the location. And, uh, and DJ Khaled. DJ Khaled also. Those are our representatives. Jesus and DJ Khaled. In fact, when they came out with the New Testament, they were like, another one. That's what happened, dude. Straight up. A couple people like that. That's cool. I'm a very proud Palestinian, but I'm your friend. You know what I mean? I put the pal in Palestinian. What? Yeah. I'm cow. So you're getting weirded out. That's fine. My great-grandma was born in Bethlehem. I tell people this, like, oh, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania? I'm like, yeah, that's the one. For sure, dude. She was Amish. Oh, it's the Bethlehem. Everybody knows that Jesus is from Bethlehem, right? But most people can't point it out on a map. It's a very complicated geopolitical question and answer. Fair enough. My niece asked me last Christmas. She's five years old. She said, where's Bethlehem? I gave her the simplest answer you could a five-year-old. I said, well, technically it's in Palestine. But America, we don't recognize Palestine as a country, so technically it's in the Palestinian territories, specifically the West Bank, not the Gaza Strip. Uh, <laughs> It was part of Israel, but they handed over the Palestinian National Authority in 1995 under the interim agreement of Sub-25, Section 2, UN Resolution. Of course, before that part of British Mandate Palestine, of course, before that part of the Ottoman Empire. Uh, you could argue that it still is in Israel technically, of course, because Israel technically occupies the West Bank. But Israel, of course, would say that is not the truth because that is against international law under many counts. Don't tell me when, JK, they already know. It's really very complicated, but Jesus is from there. Merry Christmas. See, that was the circumstance I gave the gift of Palestine. What more do you want? Like, people pay to see my shows. I gave it to you free of charge. She's like, free Palestine? I was like, exactly. <laughs> you know how hard it is to do that joke in front of this crowd? I just did it because I'm your pal. I'm your pal. I love you. I respect you for putting me. Let's work together to bring peace and the end of hatred all across the world. That's actually how I end all my sets with that public service announcement. It's a great way to bring people together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just just a centering of, <laughs> of our consciousness. How many times have you been forced to watch that video? Um, uh, just maybe like five now. 
<laughs> you you will watch your comedy and you will enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So take take us through the the conception of that bit. Um, how did it start? What was the inspiration from it? Like, what was the the moment you were like, oh, this is funny? And you can take us back to, I mean, to the first time you even wrote a joke about uh, the the whole conflict. Yeah, well, uh, I started writing about being Palestinian and Palestinian stuff, I think, in 2010. I was a few years into comedy, and that's where I was finally like, comfortable enough to talk about it. The first joke that I wrote was, um, oh, I went to a Palestinian restaurant for the first time, um, which was a, it was a lie because I've been to many Palestinian restaurants. But I was like, went to a Palestinian restaurant, and it was very authentic, um, in fact, um, you had to throw a rock to get the server's attention. <laughs> and then finally the food's brought to you by an activist on a flotilla. And then, um, and sometimes it's intercepted by the guy at the kosher deli. <laughs> like that's authentic. Uh, I used to tell that joke and then that was like, I just, yeah, I told that like for a year. That was like the first one I told. And then, uh, my, my jokes got better and better, um, after a while. Uh, and then in 2018 I had, um, I submit a bit to now this politics and they, they put it on their network and it got like a million views. Um, at the time there was, uh, a lot of stuff going on. Like the Palestinians were marching for the right to return. It was like the 70 year anniversary, um, of the initial war in 1948. So it was like a big time and there was a lot of stuff going on. So they posted the clip, got a million views and just a lot of people like commenting, talking shit and like normal stuff that you get when you, whenever you post a stand up video. Um, and that kind of just like really inspired me to like, like talk more about like, I get the best. I'm personally, I feel like I get the best, comedy or ideas for comedy sparked by like arguments that I get into or like trite things that people say. And I, I forget which one exactly inspired this, but, um, you know, I was thinking about, you know, having family initially from Bethlehem and people in America, not knowing that that is in occupied Palestine. So like people, I think it was from like Americans, like saying like, why do we give a shit about this and all, all that kind of stuff. And it's just like, you know, your savior is from there, you know? So like, I think that was kind of the, the initial premise. And, um, and then I was like, well, you know, Bethlehem is in Palestine, but like, what is like, what, maybe there's like more history to it. So I just like wanted to make sure like, oh yeah, well, so it was handed over in 1995. And I looked that up and I was like, kind of like kind of thinking how to frame the joke and then um you know framed it in the way that's like my niece asking me how do you explain it to a child in the simplest way possible because it's not simple so basically the crux of the joke is like the the situation so complex that even if you were to explain it to a child that's like the simplest way you could explain it and um and of course i had to work on it a pun just because that's what i do and like uh, I had been sitting on that idea for a while, the free Palestine pun of, of, of like free. I think I had done it in another way before, but it wasn't the, that way. And I was like, if I can get that into this one, then this joke works. So basically the joke had been written by the end of 2018 and I had done it on many stages and it was like, a, it was a big, big joke for crowds who were on board with it. Like, worked for middle road crowds, but really like if I did that in like San Francisco or somewhere liberal or like an Arab crowd, it's going to just crush. Um, 
So then I, by, by, by this was in 2019 when this video was shot. So by mid 2019, I had it down so well that I was like, I think just, I, I'm so comfortable with the beats of this joke. I can sell it in this crowd. So, um, so yeah, I did. Yeah. Having the confidence to do a bit like that in front of a crowd like that too. Like that's, that, that that's where it has to start. Um, if, yeah. you, if you don't have that confidence and you didn't get a laugh, like that would be detrimental to the yes. whole thing. I was, I was also banking on the fact, well, like I said, like, you know, it took some time to win them over, but I was also banking on the fact that a lot of people there were plus ones. Mm. Um, you know, people just come and hang out, you know, or it's like see Sarah Silverman and stuff. And, um, it was majority that organization, majority kind of, you know, that vibe of, you know, people who work for the organization and, and do have that sentiment regarding the Palestinians. But a lot of people, I could tell, like, <laughs> there was after the show, like <laughs> this, uh, this black dude with like dreadlocks came up to me after and he's like, yo man, he's like, when you were on stage and like people start, I, I started watching how people were responding to your bit. I was like, man, we got some fucking Zionists up in this motherfucker. <laughs> I was like, all right. I was like, you know, so there were, there were people, there were people on the other end of the spectrum in that show that I was able to ride off of their energy. Um, but it was, it was tough. Like I could feel like that bit. The other thing about that bit is, you know, I was like, should I even release this? Because, I have tapes of that bit where like every little beat of the joke does well mm -hmm. and gets like the laugh where it's supposed to get the laugh. But like, that was like super dry all the way to like the end. So, um, you know, but it, you know, it, it was the most interesting setting that I'd done that bit in. So that's why I posted it. Do you think that that's why it went as viral as it did? Just the context? I think so. It? Absolutely. I think so. You know, and, and cause I, like, I was debating it as I was, I was like, should I, shouldn't I just post like the best version? I was like, it could, that could go well, but this was, there was something, there was something magical about that night that I felt as I was getting off stage, because like I said, I was writing off the energy of the plus ones, but everybody was clapping it. You know, everybody was on board at the end. They, it was kind of like, you know, we don't, we obviously don't share your viewpoint on this, but we respect where you're coming from. And we appreciate that you did that. Like that was the vibe. Right. That's, I mean, that's where you start with, like, you're not going to change somebody's mind. Just had this belief for their whole lives right. with a right. joke. Right, but to at least open the door a crack and, and allow them absolutely, to see into the room and, and that's and that's the essence of progress in a conversation, you know. So so there was something very uh, magical about it, and I, I I definitely felt I I felt it that night because like right after stage I, I got high and just had a great night. So <laughs> you mean you weren't mm -hmm. high on life? <laughs> I wasn't high. <laughs> no, I only like to get high when I'm happy. That's my thing. I yeah. don't like to get high if I'm like in a bad mood. So Dude, if, if I'm getting high, you know, things are going well. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. <laughs> it's, oh man. Then, then all the, the doubts creep in and all of a sudden it was the worst that I've ever had. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I just quit. Um, I think too, the, the fact that the stakes were so high that, that elevates it, um, from a performer sure. and from an audience member, you know, the, there's more of a risk taken. People don't appreciate it as much. Let's say if you just did like the, the DJ Khaled joke, like, right. That, I mean, on its own, it's, it's a silly, it's a great Twitter joke, but in the middle of that chunk, it's like, it's perfectly timed. And again, the, the whole, the, the pun thing, you know, just being able to work that in. Is that a pun? I don't know. That's not a pun. There seemed to be just the right amount of tension too, where it wasn't like oh, and it like kills the vibe. It was like 
enough right. for it to be like the comedic, you know, release the tension kind of attention. And, uh, right. yeah, I, I, I liked it. And I could tell like when you said that usually it does better that I could tell like, yeah, they were holding back for a little bit, but they can't resist it at a certain point. Cause <laughs> right. it was a very well-written bit. So it's good. You know, it's like, it definitely you. cut through that. It was nice. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, that's kind of like, you know, rule in comedy. Like, if you can establish a rhythm of laughter early on, you're going to be able to coast off of that, you know, no matter what you're saying. It's kind of like, even if, if you were, like, to tell a horrible, racist joke that nobody should laugh at, people will start laughing. People will still be laughing at the beginning until they realize how horrible it is <laughs> because of that, that rhythm, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah. So, 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 yeah, I mean, I, I really like just, you just, you know, played the crowd for the first, uh, five minutes and then, then went into that. Yeah. Um, but, but also it was, it was the comedy store, you know, it was like the comedy store main room, which is like the stakes are high because you don't want to, you don't want to bomb there. Like that's a, it's a good room. You want to get asked back, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Continue to raise the stakes and that, that makes the payoff. 10 times better yeah. Yeah. than it, yeah. you know, if, if you're doing that for an audience that you know is going to laugh at it. Totally. Yeah. And, and I like what you said about, you know, too, setting them up and like kind of priming them for like, they're going to find it. I funny, call it credit. What's that? I call it. Oh, you mean in the bit or in his set, like go, leading up to the bit, leading up to leading up to the bit. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, it's kind of, I always call it like that social credit where mm-hmm. you, you kind of like build totally. up this thing and then people are like, going to like way more willing to laugh at the weirder stuff or what, or whatever right. it is, you know? Right. I, I, I always say it's like Super Mario Brothers, you know, like you get a mushroom and then you're like bigger Mario. Yeah. And then you're spitting the fireballs and then you're invincible and then you yeah. tell one bad, you know, like one bad joke and you're back down to small Mario. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. I but like you've still got a chance to win them back. You know, you still got the chance to get you that do. second mushroom. You do. Yeah. 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 But there's always you make a couple wrong turns. You can die. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Hundred um, percent, and th- that kind of plays into to our natural like pattern detection, uh, how our brains work. You know, that's that's why comedy works is it is it breaks the pattern and it introduces the the beginning of a new pattern. Uh, so Absolutely. so especially doing this at the end, you've established them like they have this pattern of who you are as a comic, um, and you would have to work a little bit extra hard to to break this new pattern that they've developed and this trust that they've built. Yeah. Totally. And 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 yeah, I mean like applying directly to this situation, the goal was like, hey, you like me. So you know, you like this person who you you dis- you like disagree with seriously on this issue. So mm-hmm. that's just a sign that we can get along and have this conversation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the way you started too, um, you know, three fourths Arab with a beard, four thirds Arab. Like that's a very effective way to to gently introduce. It was uh, the transition. I had been taught. I, I I opened with a joke about my name, which is very neutral. Then I did math jokes for like two to three minutes. But like good math jokes. I know that sounds like, oh, well, that's how you're going to lose them quick. But it was like my my math jokes are like my forte. So I did math jokes for the first three minutes and then I transitioned into the the Arab stuff. Yeah. Right. As long as you care about something, you can you can win an audience over. For sure. Yeah. If you're just like, I'm going to make these math puns for five minutes. It's like, all right, we get it. We get it. (laughs) It's what it is. What is it specifically? Not is it about math or not? Like, you know, it's it's show me a good example of that. And there's yeah. And. Right. I've been a fan of yours for a couple of years because I, I, I have a similar start. I think I write jokes the way I like to see comedy in others. And I think you do a lot. You do a lot of like wordplay, like clever stuff, but also like like issues like you kind of, you know, like social issues and things like that. You touch on that. So it's like, yeah, it's a combination. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I try to uh, I try to balance like the serious stuff with silly stuff. But uh, 
but yeah, I, I always like to like kind of just keep an open mind and just keep evolving and like not try to stick to one kind of comedy because like puns come so easily to me. So it's like, if I search for puns, I'm going to have a set of all puns. So I kind of like to try to just search for other stuff and let the puns just kind of come naturally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've actually gotten really sick of doing wordplay over the years. Like I'm very sick of it at this point where it's like, gotta, gotta try something new. I, I, people yeah. like it, but I don't like it. And if I don't like it, that's enough to be obvious to other people. And I don't like For to sure. pretend I like something when I don't. So <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. Like, yeah, gotta change. Yeah. It comes across as very inauthentic, Steve. <laughs> it can. That's yeah. Now, um, right after you do deliver that first line, um, you 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 say you know why are you not laughing? That's that's funny, man. In a lot of cases, this can turn the audience um, a little bit or like get them to think about well, was it really funny? In this case, I think it really works. Um, when when does that tool work and why? Um, at least for you, it in your was, experience. Yeah, I mean that was more of like a playful. It's like the majority of the crowd's laughing, so I'm just going to yeah. pick on the one section that's not laughing. Um, you know, that's kind of a critical mass thing. Like if most people are laughing and you and there's somebody who's not laughing, you can use their energy to get that person to laugh. Um, if nobody's laughing, the line doesn't really work. <laughs> No, no, right. yeah. they're not going to change their minds. Like, oh no, you're right. right. Yeah. yeah, sorry, yeah. I missed that. <laughs> they need to see that other people find it funny, and then they can't deny that. It's sort of like one of those things where they need to. They have that mob mentality, mm-hmm. right? So absolutely. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, then the uh, you know now that you like me, I'm Palestinian American. You kind of feel the tension build. It creates the tension, um, which which at this point, like you, it feels to me like you've you know you've got them. Um, I, I don't yeah. know if you're if that's right, but just body yeah. language-wise, um, the tonality of your voice, you know, it really sounded like you're very confident right there that, like, okay, this is this. I think this is going to go well. Um, yeah. Was that the case? Yeah, definitely. And, 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 and that was really the purpose of those first few minutes of doing, like, like A, you know, my A jokes mm-hmm. um, to the point where it's like, all right, now I can... Now I can literally talk about anything and I'm I'm giving you more a jokes just like on a topic that is not what you're expecting. Got it. Got it. Yeah. I feel like that tension is fun to play with right there too. Yeah. Um, Where they're like, Oh, he just introduced this new information. Is he going to attack us? Is he going to get preachy? (laughs) Is like, what's going to happen next? And then, uh, so you create that tension. And then uh, when, when you release it, it's even a a bigger exhale, uh, which I think kind of adds to the laughter. So, you know, even, even if, you know, your jokes weren't funny. It still would have like, it still would have released the tension, but because they were funny, it, it was like a bigger release. Um, that's mm-hmm. always so fun to do. I was, uh, yeah. I was, I was just in Alabama and I have a joke about Confederate statues that works great <laughs> up here. And, uh, <laughs> it, and it was that same thing. Like in the back of my mind, I was like, am I going to tell this joke? I didn't write it into my set. Yeah, and then yeah. I got the light and it's about a 90 second bit. And my mouth just started saying it like, I, like yep. and, yep. and 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 I was like, well, here we go. <laughs> this could right. this could go one of two ways, and uh, and it went really well. And just kind of introducing that, like, you know, what do you guys think of Confederate statues? Or you know, I'm Palestinian American. It creates that kind of like, where's he going to go with this? Yep. Are we going to be Absolutely. good? Like so far, we've been good. Is he going to take us to the promised land? That wasn't intended. That was <laughs> that was a pun. Okay, <laughs> establish that. Um, so then you introduce the the you know there are not a lot of famous Palestinians. 
which is uh, which is a great premise to go by. At first, when you say Yasser Arafat, everybody thinks of of him. Like that's right. the, when you said it with the first time I watched it. That's the first picture that came to mind. Um, totally. Was that intentional? Did you play around with uh, the different? Yeah, that, and that and that, I would say uh, in that set, that's the oldest joke. Um, okay. I think I wrote that one in 2011, pre DJ Khaled. Mm-hmm. The joke was just just Yasser Arafat and Jesus. Um, it was a one liner. And uh, a couple years later, when Nisha Khaled emerges, then I, you know, I tagged the joke. Um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That, so, so, so that's an old joke, just based on based on that truth. Like, who are who are the famous Palestinians? You know. Um, so, so yeah. Don't you love when you write just an innocuous one liner, and then years later you can work it into a bigger bit? Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I love recycling. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, you just felt me. That's how I build. That's how I build bits. I don't write bits about one thing. It's like, I always have one liners <laughs> and then they all have to go into one topic. Cause you know, one liners are like just scattered junk drawers of yeah. material. It can be very hard to keep track of. It's natural to put it all in a chunk, you know? Totally. So, totally. Yeah. Um, the, I'm a pal, uh, uh, I'm your friend. I put the pal in Palestinian, <laughs> the, the wordplay, again, of course, makes you approachable. Everybody he loves a little, you know, <laughs> put the pale in Palestine. Like, yeah, a, friend, a little friendly a, pun. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then, uh, and then the uh, your great grandma was born in Bethlehem. Uh, now, this to me, now this is maybe me digging too deep into the to, into the joke uh, because I tend to do that quite a bit. But kind of playing up the naivety of other people to the Palestinian plight. So the fact that somebody yeah. would ask, this hypothetical person would ask, oh, Bethlehem, PA, kind of yeah. plays into that. Can, was that can, the can I interject the, na- the naivety of nativity? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't take three wise men to figure this one out. Uh, <laughs> the nativity. Yeah. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I call it. Sounds like a glamorous. Oh, it's a restaurant somewhere. <laughs> you know it is. <laughs> the nativity. The nativity. <laughs> it's a tea shop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nativity. I mean, somebody's got to do that. Nativity. Yeah, 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 that's, yeah. that's a good one. Yeah, Come on. it's right there. It's right there. Um, <laughs> made with frankincense or something. I don't know. Right. So was that was that the intent of the joke uh, to kind of play up that that naivety? Yeah, I mean that's that's the way in. I think that's the most. Inter- that's, I think that's the interesting thing about it is that you know. It, you know, Amer- from an American perspective, sixty five percent of Americans our Christian Jesus believe in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and most of those people know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. That's like, that's a very standard fact about Jesus, mm-hmm. you know? So at which point you may, you have maybe 60, 55 on a bad day, percent of Americans know <laughs> that Jesus is from Bethlehem. Now, what percentage of those people know where Bethlehem is on a map? we're talking like 5%, you know, <laughs> but if you, if you ask, the, if you ask most of those people who quote unquote know where Bethlehem is, you ask them like, well, it's in Israel. That's technically not correct. Unless you are speaking of, yes, it's in Israel because Israel occupies the West bank. And that was kind of the motivation for uh, uncluttering why people may think it's in Israel or why, you know, why people don't even know where it is. I mean, if it was in a definitive country that America recognized, maybe we would know where Bethlehem is, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. 
Mm, it seems like the standard is definitely in this country without knowing any deeper history. People are just, it's yeah. Israel. It's just, it's Israel. It's Israel. There's no, there's yeah, no the place in the, in the Noel song. Yeah. 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 Israel's always been. Yeah. There. Yeah. Yeah. It's in those. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the kingdom of Israel. <laughs> yeah. yeah so, so David was their George Washington, right? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Uh, and, and the thing is, the other thing is, is that I, uh, you know, the joke was, it was finished by then, but I didn't, I left out a few tags. So the tags were, um, so people, you know, people say that Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I'm like, Oh yeah, she was Amish. Um, uh, the Holy land, just a few hours from Scranton. Um, <laughs> she knew the three wise men from Dunder Mifflin, you know, the deal. Yeah. Um, so that was a tag. And then also when I explain the geopolitics, um, I had like later that year, I started adding more to it to go back even further. So before that, the Ottoman empire. And then I say before that, a conquest during the crusades, before that, another conquest during the crusades, before that, another conquest during the crusades, before that, the Canaanites, before that, the dinosaurs, presumably. Mm -hmm. Um, but I added those lines. Um, and I think there was one more tag that I had, uh, but I forgot maybe near the end, but yeah, that was, that was the leaner version of the joke. Got it. Got it. And, and I do love that, that explain this, to a five-year-old that yeah. you can take any complex topic and turn it into a joke just using that formula. And the way you did it was that that's where like, I was like, Oh, this, this bit is like, I couldn't tell if that was like a setup, a punchline or a setup filled with punchlines. But either way I was like, <laughs> like if you're a comic and you forget that you're watching a bit, cause as a comic, you, when you watch another comic go up uh, in the in the back of your head, you're doing the math. You're like, you're connected. You're making these connections along with them. You're tagging them. Uh, where in this yeah. case, like as I'm watching, I'm not doing any of that. Um, <laughs> I, I just became like a fan of comedy again. And, uh, and then, and then you close it out with the, uh, the free Palestine line kind of take, uh, us through like how did you put that together in such a way where it was so punchy but also just facts yeah yeah so i mean at this point i'd already had like a bunch of jokes where about like my niece or like you know she asks a question and i explain it to her so we all understand that that kind of joke format works because it makes things so innocent and cute you know and it also the essence of simplicity you have to to simplify things when you talk to a child um and the serious you know the gravity of this situation balanced with the innocence and cuteness makes for a, a comedic release mm. so um so yeah so you know i realized quickly that that was like the best way to execute what could be an official history lesson for people who actually want to know but put in the simplest way, it's kind of like saying, like, listen, if my five-year-old niece can get this, you can too. So here's here's what it is. Um, and then the rest was just making sure I was historically accurate and mm -hmm. using the right language. Um, again, like the updated version of the joke goes back further than the Ottoman Empire, because obviously things happened before the Ottoman Empire. Um, but the language in the joke is 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 that in a way that's accurate and is not disputable. So like um, I have, uh, you know, I, I had people who were like, you know, commenting on the, on the Twitter, like I'm a Zionist and I think this is funny. And, um, 
like, you know, p- people who completely disagree politically with the notion of free Palestine at least agreed with the joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. The uh, just throwing the Merry Christmas and uh, is Santa Claus real? Uh, what was yeah. the, the idea behind that? To- Merry Christmas is a, a good punchline. It's uh, you can always <laughs> I put my dick in a box. Merry Christmas. You know, yeah. it, always, it works for any 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 uh, any premise. So. Um, so, yeah. So Merry Christmas just kind of made sense. Um, you know, it was like, OK, obviously this, the the structure of this joke is rant. Right. This is and ultimately becoming a rant where you go da 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 and then nice silly release at the end. Merry Christmas. Yeah. 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 So you hear that, <laughs> comics? If you can't come up with a punchline to your joke, just Merry Christmas. Merry That's Christmas. It. There it is. Merry Christmas. <laughs> just yeah, yeah. A universal thing. My Not, and, and, and let me just be clear. Happy Holidays doesn't work as well. Mm-mm. No, because Christmas has that right? That's the reason. <laughs> exactly. That's the only reason. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Unless you add motherfucker in yeah. there. Happy, yeah, yeah, holidays, yeah. happy Holidays, motherfucker. 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 Yeah. They're like, why is he being so mean to his niece? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man! All right. So, and then you do close it, uh, close it out by kind of you you cap it off with a little commentary, like you know how hard it is to tell a joke to this group, this joke to this group of people. Yeah. Um, that, that, that was, was that was totally on the fly, and that was that was nothing more than just a comics rage of like that deserve more, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> like it wasn't. I wasn't trying to like make a statement, like hey, I did this for you guys. It was more just like. Normally that gets a bigger applause. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Without saying normally that gets a bigger applause. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And then calling it back to, I'm your pal. Uh, that's, you know. Right. Th- even those people who aren't on board are like, oh, yeah, no, we were friends from earlier. Right. So, cool. <laughs> 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 Do you remember when we were friends from earlier? Yeah. Right. And, and, and I mean, also, you know, to add in the, the spirit, the, the theme of that night was uh, like uniting against hate. Like we're going to, we're fighting hate. So it was kind of like to be anything less than supportive of, of me or, and that at that moment would be, you know, against the purpose of the whole night. So I was kind of also using that. And that kind of takes us into, to the topic itself, you know, the, Oh, you can't laugh at that. Um, Of course, you know, people have vested interest on either side, um, which, you know, to me, that, that whole, it's got to be an us versus them thing. And to me, picking that apart is, is what's fun, regardless of the conflict. Um, you know, to you, you, you have more of a knowledge. You have a, a vested interest. Obviously, you have family from there. Um, when was, was there a time where you were just like, oh, this is funny? Maybe before you did the restaurant joke when you were comfortable enough on stage. Um, mm-hmm. Because, I mean... You know, we can find things funny without knowing how to communicate why it's funny. Um, was there an initial moment where you were like, God, this sucks, but man, you know, that. <laughs> you know, I, uh, that's a good question because I, I, don't, I don't distinctly have a memory of that. But certainly, be, I mean, I've always had a comics mind. Mm-hmm. So, like, I see the joke everywhere. I would say, because really... I knew that I was Palestinian as a kid, but I didn't really know what it meant. I didn't know the context. I didn't really fully understand what was going on until 9-11 happened. And 9-11 happened, and it was like literally, it was like, I think it was that night, you know, the whole nation is trying to search for answers of like, who did this? And then they show this clip of like Palestinians (laughs) cheering and like holding up guns. And I was like, oh, okay. 
this is going to be fun. Mm-hmm. You know, like this, like it was a, it, a clearly, I mean, I don't know the context of like the video clip, but it was like, clearly they were like choosing a certain group of Palestinians who were like, obviously very anti-American and happy about the situation. And, um, and like seeing that and like, okay, uh, this is going to be good. You know, next time somebody asks me what race I am, you know, <laughs> just I mean, show them the video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Um, yeah. Cause at, at the time I was the only Palestinian that I knew of in my like city. I mean, I, I mean, there, there's probably other ones in the city, but like, I didn't know of any at my school, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So like, I didn't really have much of an identity and then that happened. And then, like I was just like, okay, this is going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so like starting from there and that was really when like, cause what followed that was the Iraq war a few years later or not a few years later, like a few months later, no, not a few months later, no, about a year and a half later. And that was when my parents started getting really into politics and were like, take me to like marches and vigils. And then we started doing a lot of like, Palestinian stuff and like the family got more invested, but it was really serious stuff. I mean, these things were like, these were like really sad, you know, sad meetings and sad, um, you know, events. So it wasn't like I was just thinking of jokes left and right, but, but being a comic, it's like, yeah, you can't help but think things are funny. I also took a, I took a Palestinian literature class a couple years later when I was in college. <clears throat> and, um, uh, there was certainly some things I read in, in, in the books that were, you know, like that I would think of like jokes too, but I was like, nobody would get these jokes. There's like no audience for this, you know? Um, but it was just kind of like seeing it as an American, cause you know, growing up, my identity is American. I never really like identified as Palestinian. So learning about Palestinian culture as an American was, there was some humor there um, in how, complex and like little people know about the situation over there, but it wasn't like my mind wasn't like comedically developed enough to express it. That's a, that's a funny point um, too. just kind of the, the limited worldview we have. So nine 11 happens, yeah. they show this, of course, you know, American right. media finds this small pocket of people that's going to evoke uh, an emotion and right. everyone else looking for right. that simplified bad guy, you know, that, that character to walk into the room right. and the music changes and you know this is the bad guy. And it's like, right. I know that either this is going to be an awful story, um, like if we put this in terms of like a narrative of like a movie or a yeah. TV show because it's so yeah. written in black and white when the world is so gray uh, and people right. are way more complex than that or um, this is, yeah, I'm I'm not interested either way, really. Um, the So lately the opinion has shifted a a little bit because back then it was always, you know, we're pro-Israel, pro-Israel, you know, they're the ones that support us and blah, blah, blah. Um, But it's shifted to be more empathetic to to the Palestinian plight. Why do you think that is? And, um, you know, in the the humanitizing of it, 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 humanizing it, I'm adding too many syllables. Um, Oh, yeah. (laughs) Humanitizing. (laughs) The humanitizers, yes. The humanitizers of it, yeah, yeah. for for sure. <laughs> Human and um, Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting because it's like growing up and being in that in that small pocket of activism. And my parents were much more involved than I was. I would just kind of go occasionally, but like they were super invested. And um, 
just realizing what a small fringe it was. You know, I went to UC Berkeley. I knew that I was in a, like the mentality there is a fringe mentality in the United States. And like all these events, I knew that this was like a small, you know, you know, a group of, of people. And, but, but of course around the world, in many countries, that's not the case. There's like countries who would stand by Palestinians as countries that recognize Palestine as a country. So in America, it's just a small minority. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I got more comfortable in comedy, and I was doing comedy in the Bay Area in San Francisco and kind of like you do, you did have this gradual, you know, I mean, I, it's maybe not the best word, but like wokeness, you know, if you want to like use you, you can like remove the negative connotations of wokeness because a lot of people have them, but like, it really is ultimately people becoming more conscious of stuff, you know? So that was gradually happening. I mean, you have the election of Obama, this kind of like a turning point for, for America and, you know, progressivism is a little bit more embraced, but I'm still in this pocket, this Bay area pocket where people are very liberal. And so I'm now able to do the jokes because like they work in San Francisco because that most people embrace them there. And then I start kind of getting more in touch with the Arab community and start getting booked there. So I'm like realizing that there's kind of this bigger network of people who's becoming more active in the issue, still a minority. And then the big turn that I noticed was in 2014 when the when the crisis, well, uh, many crises, but the this particular one in 2014 in Gaza, where you have <clears throat> you have uh, hundreds, uh, maybe even thousands. I forget what the number was, but like a lot of civilians being killed, and for once there was footage of it, and you have footage of children who've been murdered. And like the world had not seen this for whatever reason, either the media had not been able to get to there or it wasn't circulated in the media until then for whatever reason, there's a lot of theories as to why, but that was the turning point. And suddenly people were like, holy shit, maybe the Palestinians are oppressed people. Like that became a more mainstream, not even close to being mainstream, but more of a mainstream. Mm -hmm. And then over the years, as wokeness increases, you have more and more people becoming aware. Then with the 2018 situation, more people becoming aware as well. And then this one, this one really felt like I, 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 we don't know measurements because what, well, what we do know is that like 64 percent of Democrats would consider a reduction in arms uh, aid to Israel. Um You know, whatever that means, if that's if you consider America purely Republican Democrat, which it's not. Um, you know, it's, we're still, it's still a minority. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you had here in this situation is because of social media, because young people on social media and, you know, the part of wokeness and young people is wanting to identify with the underdog, the, the one who the side who's being oppressed. And in that case, it's the Palestinians. And now with like TikTok and people kind of wanting to be on the side of the underdog, you had this spread of people siding with Palestinians. But meanwhile, you also have this critical mass of people who are really aware of the issue and, you know, starting to understand that this is wrong. And also people in the world, you had all this solidarity around the world and people see that. And it's a kind of a multiplied effect um, that finally people are kind of waking up to what's going on because what happened this time was no different than anything that's been happening in the last, you know, 40, 50 years. Mm -hmm. 
So it, it's really just a perception thing and the advent of social media. And um, sorry, I'm not supposed to be making this funny, am I? No, but no, uh, no. <laughs> we're, we're exploring. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we explore yeah. this. Is, we talk yeah. about comedy, but it's not necessarily yeah. a comedy. Yeah, like, yeah. Cool. You know. Cool. I, I sometimes like do podcasts and I, I'm like five minutes into like just talking and I'm like, oh, shit, this is a comedy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's just all those like critical things made this feel like, you know, because but it's it's still not for it's not the government's majority and it's still not the people's majority. I mean, like 90 percent of people did not even give a shit about this. Mm-hmm. But if you're on Twitter, it's going to seem like everybody gives a shit. If you're on TikTok, it's going to seem like everybody gives a shit. But 90% of Americans do not give a shit still. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it, it, I, I am hopeful. I think I think it is increasing. But like, yeah, like I'll hear a lot of like Israelis or people who are, you know, very pro-Israel saying, oh, we're losing the PR battle because kids on TikTok are all taking the power. Like you're not losing anything. You're like Israel's still going to get $4 billion in aid this year. It's It's just younger people are becoming woke to the issue. That's all it is. Yeah. And, and to even think of it as a a winner or loser uh, game, like nobody wins. Yeah. yeah <laughs> if you totally. if you if you kill somebody today, that's a bad day at work. Like, yeah. Yeah. regardless of your job, you know, nobody's right. you know unless you're a sociopath or a comedian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and that's that's what I love about comedy though is is like in in your case like it gets people to see certain situations uh, through different eyes um, how do you think those same principles of stand-up comedy of having to connect with with your audience of uh, of having to to look at things from a different point of view how do you think that can translate in an actual like geopolitical setting in like two people coming to a negotiating table like what skills from stand up could get translated to that all of them all of them i mean humor humor has this transcending power to be able to cross all boundaries like <clears throat> i mean there's 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 so many ways like you know for instance humor or doing well in comedy requires likability right for people to want to hear your point of view to be on board with your the beats of your narrative, you have to present yourself as likable and be liked by these people. And that's, you know, achieved comedically through a lot of tools as we know, being vulnerable, being personal, personable, um, saying things that we know that the audience will understand and be on board with. Um, and obviously as you get better in comedy, you're doing it in a way that's authentic to yourself versus like pandering or, you know, lying. Um, as we did when we were characters in the yes. beginning. Yes. Good um, callback. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, I mean like, you know, so, so likability is, is essential for, for like negotiating, for having a conversation. People, people are going to want to like you if they're going to want to like listen to what you're going to have to say and, and, and have empathy for you. They actually, um, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, they said that on a, uh, an interrogation thing I saw on YouTube recently, they're like, you got to get people to like you. If you want to get yeah. in there, like when they were interviewing, um, Cruz, what was his first name? I forget, but he shot up that school and they were interviewing him and he was pretending to be crazy and all these things Mm -hmm. and mentally ill and he's just, yeah. Uh, It's interesting how, yeah, and definitely applies to comedy for sure. Lowers those defenses a little Mm -hmm. bit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and, um, you know, comedy is, you, you are structuring an argument and you have to structure an argument in a way that gets people from point A to point Z. So that applies as well. Um, 
and then comedians, we have this, you know, I, I mean, I don't, this, I mean, this does pertain to this, this in a way, but I'm just kind of spitballing here. I mean, comedians, we have this thing where it's like, we can talk about politics and um, if somebody like disagrees with us, we're like, Hey, what, what do I know? I'm a comedian, you know, right. I'm just being funny, you know, but at the same time we can, uh, you know, a comedian can talk about politics and get people to laugh about an issue that they may disagree with because it's comedy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? So in a sense, and like, just like you see in this clip, you know, to get people to laugh or to appreciate a joke structure, on a narrative that they inherently disagree with is a form of progress. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying that like people who come to the negotiation table should be telling each other jokes, but humor is an example of a shared communication. And there's certainly analogous ways of achieving that where no laughter is involved, but you know, why not have some laughs as well? Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's, uh, you, I think we should just end it right there. I mean, that was. <laughs> I, I, I mean, you, you do have to start from that. Like, you do have to make that connection. You do have to, whether it's making a connection through previous conversation, um, kind of humanizing your, yourself in the situation too, finding that common ground. Like, what's one thing that we all share? Absolutely. And then there's 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 broad reach too. So comedians, you know, if we want to be good, we'll go to Alabama. We'll go to Nevada. We'll go to Utah. We'll we'll go to Russia if they book us. Like we'll go wherever we can so that we can experience different kinds of audiences. Mm-hmm. And that broadness leads you to be able to speak to the the whole human consciousness versus just preaching the choir of people who think exactly like you, which is mm-hmm. essentially what politicians are trained to do. I mean, a lot of politicians are diplomatic and, and have broad reach. Obviously, you have to have the broad reach to get elected to a big office. Yeah. But a lot of politicians just play to their base. They play to that small niche of people who are, you know, especially if you're like a, a mayor. <laughs> yeah. You know, but like the broadness is something that that politicians can take note of. Like when you can really speak to a crowd anywhere and because comedy is able to transcend international languages and barriers, um, that gives us the ability to speak to the whole human consciousness. Man, politicians would be terrible comics. <laughs> they are terrible comics. Just imagine uh, a- AOC going up in a room in Oklahoma, or Ted Cruz going up in a room oh, in Ted Brooklyn. Cruz already, uh, he's already nailed that coffin. They would do a lot of crowd work, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. They they are they are good at crowd work. Yeah, yeah. and and that, that's that's a really good point too. Is is my parents have one way of thinking, and I'm very like you know it's the, the, having that comedic mind. It's like if I'm in front of an audience that isn't like me. I want to connect with them, but I still want to get them to laugh at my same points. So like, how do I, how can I bridge that gap? Cause that's, I mean, that's really what comedy is. It's bridging the gap between where you are and where you want to be with all that empty space in the middle. And there's totally. an infinite number of ways to do that. So it's, how can I do it in a way where, you know, in between a through Z, this audience wants N I'm going to, I'm going to give them N, um, but I'm going to do it in a way that's real to me and not pandering. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and that's, that's like the optimism here. It's like, listen, if I can make a crowd laugh at a dead baby joke, we can make a peace deal. Yeah. It's <laughs> a bumper sticker right there, man. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Steve? I mean, you know, you, uh, 
you have some pretty controversial material in front of certain audiences, but I've seen it kill in front of those audiences. I've seen you do well yeah. at like funny stop and in, in front of like a, a more right audience with your like uh, be be f- well be funny first. <laughs> Don't try to just be pushing buttons because obviously that doesn't work. Uh, right. If you've done comedy for any amount of time, but be fair and reasonable. I was going to bring that up with how you were like broadening and, and you got to be fair, reasonable, be in, like you said, structuring an argument, like have that argument in good faith. And then yeah. there's no way people can deny you no matter what your point of view, if that comes through, right. it's like, well, he did make a good point. Uh, so it's like, it's totally. right there. <laughs> The comedian has to be in touch with the audience because if you're not, it's it's you're gonna people are gonna feel it. People are gonna feel that you're not good at constructing arguments, mm-hmm. that you are going against the grain in a way that's not gonna work. So you do have to know your audience well enough to be like, I know that they're not gonna like this topic, but I'm gonna find a way to get them to laugh at the end. Right, and yeah. and you're never. I mean, you're never gonna get. 100% of the audience 100% of the time so when you do have so you made that the point of there were a few that were clear Zionists in that crowd that day um, <laughs> how do you continue to connect with the audience as a whole without without like may, having their silence speak louder than the rest of the situation well like I did in the beginning like why are you not laughing that's funny that's the first uh, line of defense <laughs> um and then, you know, at some point, if you try it, if you, you know, I always like to try different kinds of jokes if I, if I have the time to, to see if I can get someone who wasn't laughing to laugh. And I mean, there's always this thing when sometimes people just want to be like addressed directly, whether it's like they want the eye contact, like you give them the eye contact to deliver a joke and then they'll, they'll smile because you know that, that you're trying and that warms them up a little bit. They'll start being a little more receptive. It doesn't work with everybody. Sometimes people like it makes the, makes them even weirder when you give them the eye contact. Sometimes you ask them directly like, Hey, is everything okay? You know? And, mm-hmm. and then, you know, I remember I had a, a woman in the front row one time and I'll, she was like, just angry the whole time. And then I was just like, Hey, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, I'm great. <laughs> and like, she just realized that she just was making that face for whatever reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it was just, it was just a face. And, um, and, you know, and, and then sometimes people just don't like you. They don't, they're, they don't like you or they don't like your standup, but they don't want to laugh. And at that point, it's like, you can either like really dig and like try to get an altercation out of it. Or you can just be like, Hey, let's just agree to disagree. You know, I'm leaving now. Are you going to clap? Cause I'm leaving at least, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you can't win them all over. That's, that's yeah. fine. That's perfect. I have fine. the resting angry face and the like, don't look at me while <laughs> like other comedians will make eye contact with me. Like, I'm not concentrating on what you're saying right. anymore. I, right. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, I get it. Um, so as far as, you know, if, if people are struggling with their situation, um, if you could give them a bit of advice to open up to the humor that's inherent in any given situation, mm-hmm. uh, you know, everybody's different, but you know, it, from your perspective, uh, which is the beauty of comedy, is that we each have our own way of finding humor in situations. Um, so, what's one way that that you've uh, been able to find humor in something as as um, touchy as as this? Yeah, I mean, just first of all, know that it's possible. You know, anything can be funny if you if you if you put the the will to it, you'll get there. Um, so, like, don't doubt. You know, any kind of sense, like, oh, you can't make this topic funny. You're wrong anything can be funny. There's timing. I mean, timing is very important. Um, but you could, you know, there's a tragedy today. You can make a joke tomorrow to the right crowd and the right words. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And when it seems very difficult because the topic is so, so divisive or touchy, you go around it. You basically give the topic a hug by not getting into the crux of it and doing the thing that divides the people, but like going around it, like finding what can, what can we all agree on? Mm -hmm. And this kind of goes back to what we were just talking about of like how you make progress in a, in a debate or, you know, in a negotiation, but like Mm -hmm. certainly there are some things that we can agree on. Let, you know, and, and that's a very safe, but also effective way of finding the initial funny zone. Mm-hmm. But like start where we all agree and pepper it with silly stuff, you know? Um, and that's where you can start. And then as you get better and you get more comfortable, you can go deeper into the issue and actually get to the crux of it, of the issue without making the whole thing explode. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. That, that human, uh, that human behavioral flaw of violence for peace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, exactly. the irony, and the, it's just built into every given situation, especially when it comes to something so binary. It's like the us versus them. It's like, bro, really? This is this is what we're we're st- still dealing with this. Totally. Like, totally. there's a neighborhood in Brooklyn. There's a building in Brooklyn that has people from a hundred different races and religions and beliefs and backgrounds in it right now. Um, be like that building in Brooklyn. I'm, I'm sure it exists. Yeah, <laughs> it's hypothetical, sure. but I'm sure it exists. Yeah. And the other, you know, the other thing is, you know, wrap things around your personal experience. Nobody can deny your personal experience. Mm. If you wrap things around yourself personally, and it also gets them interested, like, why is this person so personally invested? Obviously, with this specific case, I have a way in because of my heritage. But, you, you know, you may have another way into a topic that may not involve your heritage or something that directly affected you. You may just have a friend who was affected by something or, but find a way to, to wrap your personal experience around it. And people can't deny your personal experience. Mm, yeah. um, so instead of like declaring things as fact or your, your opinions that nobody gives a shit about start with your personal experience and people will at least have the way they'll center themselves with you on the bit. Mm. Yeah. That's a good note. Good luck I'm, finding the pull quote on this one. Yeah, buddy. I know. <laughs> this whole episode is pull quotes. <laughs> Literally, we're gonna have like fifty different promos. We're gonna we're gonna release <laughs> it next week just because it is it is a pretty current topic. Typically, we yeah. we keep them like you know locked away in the uh, in the chamber, but in this case, this sure. is gonna be a, a pretty quick release. So, is there anything yeah. uh, that you want to plug? Any uh, social media that we should follow you on? Where, where do we find? Yeah, all Yeah, at, at Samuel Bade is all the stuff. Uh, just my name. Um, I do, I, I'm still doing virtual shows on my own network that you can get free tickets to them at kocomedy.com. Um, and then I'm starting to get out and touring, but I'm not like advertising my tour schedule yet. Cause I'm not doing like any big headlining shows. I'm just kind of like getting out there and doing shows slowly. So for now, just the socials and, uh, yeah, that's it. Cool. Well, mm-hmm. we hey, I'm, you. I'm Lebanese. Can I get a spot on that? <laughs> Uh, that's still a no, sir. Um, <laughs> you can't laugh at that. Well, this has been a, a pleasure and a really yeah. insightful conf- uh, conversation. Mm-hmm. And uh, we really appreciate you joining us to help us prove that no matter how divisive, no matter how polarizing, uh, no matter how touchy a, a conflict can get or a topic can get, whether it's 80 years old or centuries old, you can laugh at that. Absolutely. Special thanks to Gold Knox Studio. You can find 
Golden Ox Studio for all your podcasting needs at goldenoxstudio.com. Uh, hit up Jeremy. He is fantastic to work with, a professional. Uh, he makes podcasting easy. And uh, if, you're, if you've been kicking the tires on starting your own podcast, definitely give Golden Ox Studio a look. If you'd like to weigh in on today's topic, follow us on Twitter at You Can't Laugh Pod or like us on Facebook at You Can't Laugh at That and tell us how you did laugh at today's topic or how you didn't. This is all about the conversation, is what I'm saying. All right. Bye.